Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to have you with us here today, and if you're online, we're thrilled to have you as well. And, and I want to ask you all a question. You don't need to answer this out loud, but does God guarantee to meet our needs? Does God guarantee to meet our needs? That's what we're going to discuss today as we wrap up our series where we've been talking about our faith and our generosity colliding and mixing together, that you and I would have such a bold uh, faith, a, a faith that trusts God, that it would lead us to a bold generosity, that in faith, we would be generous to our family, to, our, to ourselves, to others, to people that don't know Jesus, to the church, to other institutions, that, that through our faith, generosity would pour out of us. Now, to move us down this path of having a generous faith, we've been talking about implementing a few key principles. And so we've been talking about this idea of, hey, it starts with you and I trusting and leaning into God's way and God's view and God's perspective as it pertains to our finances, rather than leaning our way of how we would view it, which means we embrace what Jesus said. And Jesus talked about how our faith and our money, that they're linked together, that they're connected. You can't separate the two according to Jesus. And so you and I, the scripture says we're not owners, we're actually managers. And so the next principle is that we are called to manage what God has provided to us and entrusted to us. Our time, our talent, and our treasures. We're managers, not owners. And so as good managers, we talked about this last week, our guiding objective, our true north, is all about honoring God, that you and I would constantly, constantly be praying, Lord, show me how to honor you with everything I have, and show me how to honor you with everything you've entrusted to my care. And if you and I can do that, we are positioning ourselves to experiencing a generous faith. Now, for the most part, everything we've talked about the last two weeks, you could apply to any arena of your life, any area of your life, not just your finances. But this week, this final week of our series, I'm going to ask that we specifically dive in and talk about these principles as it pertains to our financial giving, that each of us would take a faith step in our financial generosity, whatever that will look like for each of us. Now, if you're visiting today, our church, maybe for the first time or the second time, and we're really glad you're here, and we want to encourage you right now to just sit back and relax, that we're going to have a family conversation about this topic, and you got to just get, listen in to the conversation that we're having. But I want you to know the reason that this church family is talking about this is because Jesus talked about it so much. And Jesus knew something about all of us. He knew, and he talked about that wherever we spend our money, wherever we send our money, our heart or part of our heart goes in that direction. And, and Jesus, for Jesus, this topic isn't a get your money thing. This topic for Jesus is a get your heart thing. Now, the Apostle Paul has something very interesting to say to us in Philippians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be today. If you have a physical Bible, go ahead and go to your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. If you don't, jump on your phone. You can go to the YouVersion Bible app. Our notes are in there. You can save them and all that, and, and you'll see these scriptures. Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to look at what might be one of the greatest promises in the Bible. 
It's so all-encompassing that most other promises can actually fit under the umbrella of what we're talking about today. Now, what did Paul talk about? He says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. He says this. He says, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Man, did you catch that? He says that, Paul, that God is going to meet all of our needs. But what we're going to discover, because some of us think, man, I look at Christians and it doesn't look like all their needs are being met. Is God a liar or is this promise even valid? But we're going to discover the promise isn't provided or applied to everyone. That there's a context of who it's applied to. The initial original context is Paul is talking to a group of Philippian Christians. And he's saying to them, thank you guys. Thank you. You financially gave to me when I was in a time of need. You've given sacrificially. And because you gave sacrificially, I can tell you that God is going to take care of your needs. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 19, and these verses are going to show us that God, that when you and I are generous to others, that God meets our needs, and God is generous to us. It's a principle, actually, we see throughout Scripture. Proverbs chapter 11 says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And then Jesus, in his own words, said it this way. He said, give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. It's interesting. Jesus is saying, you get to decide. Like you and I, we decide. We decide the measure of our generosity shows us the measure that God will show back to us. So there's a premise of God's promise. And the premise is that God will meet our needs if we, the promise, are generous to others. God says, we go first. Now, when Paul writes this to the Philippians, he's going to give you and I a few reasons why generosity is important. Why does it matter? Why is it important for our lives? Well, first, generosity is important for you and I because when we give, that ends up being an encouragement to others. That ends up being a blessing to others. Notice in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 14. Paul says to this, and again, he's talking to these Philippians who had generously given to him when he was in a time of need. He said, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Now, the Philippian church, they weren't wealthy. In fact, they were, they were, pretty, they were quite poor, but they were incredibly generous, and they stepped up and they helped Paul in the midst of his needs. And as a result of that, Paul's like, man, that was good of you to do that. Paul was encouraged by their generosity. It built him up. It blessed him. Some of you, uh, if you've been around LifePoint for a a long time, would remember Dan and Tiffany Bergman, uh, members of LifePoint Church, and and, uh, they moved away uh, years ago and moved to Colorado, and uh, active here at LifePoint and moved to Colorado, and so uh, LifePoint's uh, family just keeps expanding, especially now that we have things online. You know, we have LifePoint people all around the country now, and uh, Dan called me this week and, and, and wanted prayer. 
And he said, hey, Chris, I'm getting ready tomorrow to jump on a plane. I'm joining Samaritan's Purse. And a bunch of, he's a nurse, me and a bunch of nurses and doctors were flying to Ukraine where we're going to set up a field hospital. And so I want to encourage you to pray for Dan, uh, pray for his family uh, as they're here. And he's going to be there till May. And you better believe it. First of all, I hear that, and I just get encouraged and blessed by his generosity. I mean, that's time, that's talent, and there's a sacrifice. That costs their family for him to go do that. But you better believe there's going to be a lot of people who are encouraged because of him and others. You can see the picture of the team uh, right there. Dan is the guy on the left of center next to the guy in the blue shirt in the second row. Um, Anyway, I don't know if you can see it, but that's Dan. And so be praying for Dan. He and that team is going to be a huge encouragement to others because of their generosity, even literally saving lives. So again, be in prayer for him. When you're generous, others are blessed and encouraged, and you are as well. I love listening to Dan and talk about what God does with him and through him because of this. Next, Paul says this. He says that generosity is important because when we give, it's an investment in our future. So generosity encourages others, but it also is an investment in our own future. Philippians chapter 4, the next verse, Paul says this in verse 17. He says, not that I desire your gifts, but what I desire is that more be credited to your account. What's he talking about? Another translation says it this way. He says, I want you to receive a reward. Another translation uses the word profit. I want you to receive a reward, a profit for your kindness. That word credited or reward or profit in the Greek is a, is a banking term. It means accumulated interest. In other words, when you give, when I give, we get a reward, we get a profit, we get interest that is added to our account. Think, that's kind of interesting. It seems as if God has some type of, we, we don't fully know what this looks like, but it seems like God has some type of you know, heavenly account for us. And, and I don't know, again, I don't know what it looks like. We know there's rewards in heaven. We just don't know what it looks like. But he tells us that he's recording our generosity. That when we're generous with our family, with friends, with unbelievers, with churches and institutions, when we give, it's recorded. It's rewarded. There's interest added on top of it. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> he said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, invest in what matters to God. Invest in his kingdom work. Invest in his kingdom. And when that happens, he says, it's actually, Jesus says it's actually an investment for yourself. Store up treasures for yourself in heaven. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says it this way. Paul says, to Timothy, he says, I want you to instruct the churches to do as many good deeds as they can and to help everyone. Remind the rich, and that's us, we're the richest country in the world in the history of society, we all, we're in that category. Remind the rich to be generous and share what they have. This will lay a solid foundation for the what? Everybody say it, for the? For the future, so that they will know what true life is like. Your financial generosity is not only an encouragement to others, but your generosity is an investment for yourself, for your future. You receive a reward. It's credited to your account. Then Paul says this. He says that generosity is important for you and I because when we give, 
It's a sacrifice to God. Uh, He says in the next verse, verse 18 of Philippians 4, he says, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphrodites the gifts you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. An acceptable sacrifice, and it's pleasing to God. Man, one of the ways that you and I please God is when we sacrificially give. And Jesus, of course, was the ultimate sacrificial giver, right? Uh, We just celebrated communion together. Christ was enough that he gave his life. He left the glories of heaven to come here, to die on a cross so that you and I can live. He forgave us of our sins. Somebody had to pay for our sins. And we can't pay for our sins because we're imperfect. And he was the perfect sacrifice. He gave of himself. So when you're giving, when you're generous, when you share time, talent, and treasure, man, that's when you're the most like Jesus because that's who Jesus is. He's generous. It pleases God. And in fact, giving is an act of worship. It's why giving is involved in church services. It's as important as singing and praising and worshiping God through song, as teaching, as communion. Giving is an act of worship. So they sent Paul some money, but God is saying in the passage, God accepts it himself as a sacrifice, as a gift, and it's pleasing to him. Both Paul and Jesus, they both said it's important to give, to be a giver, because when you and I meet the premise of being generous to others, now let's check out the promise that we started with. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. When you meet the premise and we're generous, then he says, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's the context. It says God will take care of our life. He'll meet our needs when we are generous. I want you to notice a couple key words. He says there, my God. In other words, he's letting us know God is a personal God. God cares about what we're going through. God cares about our financial needs, our our emotional needs, our spiritual needs, our intellectual needs, our physical needs. God cares about that. He's mindful of what we're going through. He knows and sees and cares about what's happening in our life. And then he said this. He said, my God will meet all your needs. It doesn't say he might meet. It doesn't say he may meet. It doesn't mean, say he, he could possibly meet your needs. He says he will meet how many of our needs? All of our needs. If we're consistent, if we're generous in our giving, if we meet the premise, we can just count on this promise. God's going to take care of all of our needs. Now, he's going to take care of all our needs. Let's talk about needs for a minute because so often this gets abused. And we misuse this verse. God meeting all of our needs doesn't mean that we can sit back, kick back, relax, and be inactive. There's consequences to laziness. We don't get to just sit around and and say, you know what, I'm just trusting God to provide. That isn't contentment. That's complacency. There's a difference, and it's a big difference. God doesn't promise to meet our needs if we sit around and do nothing. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 says, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Paul says, you don't work, there's nothing for you. There's no handouts. And I was thinking about this. Can you just imagine for a moment what would happen if we incorporated this verse into our policies, into our procedures, into our practices at local and federal social programs? Can you imagine what would happen? 
I mean, they would change dramatically, wouldn't they, right? And frankly, the programs, if you implemented this type of principle into those, they would actually be more effective at accomplishing their goal to care for people's needs. But here's Paul's point. There's consequences if we're complacent or sedentary or lazy. Now, this verse, notice, it doesn't cover all of our wants. Ah, that, for some of us, that's news. And we're kind of bummed about that. God shall supply all of my wants. Is that what it said? No, no, no. God shall supply all my what? My needs. We as people here in the United States, we enjoy freedom and financial options that no other society in the history of mankind has been able to enjoy. And as a result of that freedom to enjoy that, it's very easy for us to mistake wants and needs. We need shelter. What we want, you know, is a 4,000 square foot home with, you know, a pool and five car garage, right? We need food. What we want is to be able to go out and eat out whenever we want, wherever we want. We need to rest. What we want is a 10-day vacation to, our, to the most popular vacation destinations and resorts. Are you catching the difference? Jesus said it, or James said it this way in James chapter 4. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. James says you just want it so you can consume it for yourself, for your own desires, Our wants just have a way of getting exaggerated into needs. But God doesn't guarantee to provide us for all the luxuries that we desire. God doesn't say, hey, you know what? Go ahead, spend your money on all your wants, and then when you don't have enough money left over to pay for all your needs, I'll come in and supply all that. That's not how God works. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't bankroll our foolishness. You might want to write that down. God doesn't bankroll our foolishness and our selfish desires. But when we're faithful and generous, God says, I'm going to assume responsibility for your needs to be met. It's kind of a little bit like, not exactly, but a little bit like the agreement my wife Heather and I have with our kids once they get to the age where they can drive. And we tell them, hey, listen, you know, be good get good grades, stay in school, be involved in sports or activities, involved in your youth group, growing in your faith. You do that, and we will provide transportation for you. And we will cover the cost of it. We will make sure it's all taken care of. You're going to work hard on all this. You do that, and then we'll provide that for you. We tell them, you go first. You do that. Here's what we're going to do for you. In a similar fashion, God tells us, you go first. You do your part. And you do that, God says, I am going to provide for you. You can count on me. And God's going to do it, verse 19, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, according to his riches. That's a profound statement that right there, God has unlimited resources. In fact, think about it. God has this way of, of, of just providing. He took five fish and two loaves. And what, uh, and what did he do with that? He fed how many people? 5,000 people or at least men, so it's probably ten or 15,000 people. God has a way of providing. And I think about that in my own life. God somehow has a way of providing, even when the numbers don't line up and don't make sense, that somehow God takes what I've given to him, and when I look at my numbers, and I don't know how, but I made it through the week. 
I don't know how, but I made it through the month. I don't know how, but I made it through the year. God provided. God has unlimited resources. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is another passage that's written by the Apostle Paul. It says the same basic thing as the Philippian passage because, again, you see this principle throughout Scripture, the premise and the promise. And he said, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Important principle, but he's talking, notice, about the topic of money. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God says, I want to meet your needs. I just want you to go first. And then when we do that, here's God's commitment to us, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It's pretty all-inclusive right there, that verse. Man, if you and I let the truth of these verses sink into our hearts, if we act upon them, I guarantee you it will change your life. It'll transform your life. God invites you to a life of generosity. And God tells us throughout Scripture when we're generous, he meets our needs. What I've discovered, and I think a lot of us have discovered, and God's inviting many more of us to discover, you can't outgive God. You can't. You go for it. You and faith step out. God just wants you to step out in faith. And when you do that, and as a demonstration that God has your heart, God says, I'll take care of you. You don't worry about that. So would you be willing, in faith, to take a step of generosity? I don't know what it looks like for you. For some of you, that step is a first-time generosity. You've just, that hasn't been a part of your life. And God invites you to take that step. For others of you, it's that you would become regular and systematic in your generosity. That you give, but it's inconsistent and it's, you know, based on your whims or the, you know, a need that comes up. But for some of you, it's, it's time to be regular, consistent, and systematic about it. For others, it's de- deliberately increasing your giving. You give a little, but you know God's calling you to be more faithful and more generous than that. For others, man, you've been faithful in your generosity. And for some of you, God's encouraging you, saying, looking for new and creative ways to be generous. Give what you have decided in your heart to give, Paul said. Pick a percentage of your income. Give that away. And Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, the first fruits belong to God, so make sure it's always our first. As soon as we get paid, we give that away. And when we do that, we are going to see the hand of God, the work of God, the provision of God in our life. Now, if you are new to LifePoint, this is your first time, second time, maybe you know, been here a month or two or, or even a year, If you're new and you're like skeptical, you're like, man, they're talking about this stuff. If you're new and skeptical, listen to me. Just give it somewhere else. Seriously, give it somewhere else. If there's skepticism inside of you, give it somewhere else. Regardless, God's inviting us to all give, to practice the principles of what we're talking about. God invites us all to a generous faith. Would you take that step? As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, since you excel in so many ways in faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love for us, I also want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, hear our prayers as we step out in faith to give to you. So I want to invite each person right now in your heart, in your soul, Would you take that faith step of generosity, whatever it looks like for you, whatever God's calling you to to do, 
that you're praying, you pray, God, show me how to honor you with the finances that you've entrusted to me. And God, I commit to you this step of faith. God, hear each and every person call out to you now. And God, it's so exciting to see how you're going to provide for us as we live a life of faith. We honor you, God, with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.